Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You cannot work for your salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. When you have salvation, you have salvation. Can you lose salvation? I don't believe so. Because I believe once you're in his hand, you're in his hand. Okay? Now, we can talk about backsliding and all that good stuff, but that's not, what we're, that's not why we're here today. Work out your salvation. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, does your life reflect it? Because you have Christ inside of you, the way you act and speak should be different than the rest of the world. Pastor James will urge you in the message today to allow the Lord to transform your life. He'll remind you that no one has it all together. We all fail every single day. That's exactly why we should depend on Him to work within us. Will you be obedient to God as He develops and refines you and your faith in Him? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Philippians chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. today. We're going to be finishing chapter 2 of Philippians. We've been in this thing for quite a while now, actually. Philippians 2 is basically where Paul uh, throws out some examples for us to live by, right? And so, fittingly so, we've spent the most time looking at the example of Jesus, okay? Because there's going to be Timothy and there's going to be Epaphroditus that will cover those two guys today. But even today, we're still going to be spending time focusing on Jesus as the example for us to follow, all right? Chapter 2 of Philippians is one of my favorite passages of the Scripture, and where we're at today is, uh, is one of the coolest parts, okay? It's also one of, it's kind of a misunderstood section of Scripture, at least the first part. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into it. But do you guys remember, you know, way back in the day when you used to have to develop photos? You remember that? It wasn't like on this thing where you just take a picture and then you don't, nobody even prints out these pictures anymore, but you know, and then you just upload it to your Facebook, Instagram, wherever else and all that good stuff. But there's a lost art of photo developing, right? Some guys can still do this. Uh, I'm sure Billy's got all the the knowledge concerning this stuff as I was diving deep into learning all about photo development. Yesterday, I was spending some time just reading all sorts of different articles, learning about it. I, I'll never do it, but uh, I appreciate the, the art of developing a photo. And actually, even I never even realized how photos are possible. I've never even, I take it for granted, right? Like that you can capture an image and how they work it all out and all this good stuff, the chemicals that are involved in that and everything. I won't bore you with the details. What we're going to go through today is basically our faith is like a photograph, it has to be developed. It has to be developed, okay? So I want you to keep that in your brain as we go through this passage of Scripture when it talks about work out your own salvation, okay? Work out your... Just like a photo has to be developed, your faith in Jesus must be developed, okay? And it takes time. And it takes a lot of time spent in a dark room too, right? 
It's, it takes a lot of time soaking in the right solution for the picture to become very clear. The same thing is going to apply to us with our walk with Jesus. So let's look at um, chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going to do New King James, but I'm also going to bounce around from that to New Living Translation. So there's some, some moments within the text that I just think the New Living Translation just spells it out beautifully, okay? So for verse 12, though, it says, there, it says therefore... My beloved, this is Paul talking to the church at Philippi, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here's the key. For it is God who works in you, okay, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We'll just stop there because herein lies the issue that people have. They forget one little key word within this, this, these actually two verses here. A lot of people will take this and, and they look at it and they think it says, work for your salvation. You can't do that, all right? So let me take that off the table right now. You cannot work for your salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. When you have salvation, you have salvation. Can you lose salvation? I don't believe so. Because I believe once you're in his hand... You're in his hand, okay? Now, we can talk about backsliding and all that good stuff, but that's not, what we're, that's not why we're here today. Work out your salvation. Okay, so the illustration that I, that I presented to you just a few moments ago, the, the photo that has to be developed. The image has already been placed within you. The moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, his image has been burned into this new heart that he has given you. The image is there. Now you need to work it out. You need to develop it so that other people can see him in you. That's the point of your life. That's the point of Christianity. He has burned his image in you. The photo has been taken. The light has been captured The light's been captured. Now it's time for you and I to soak in the solution of Jesus and his word and let that image become clearer and clearer over time. You see what I'm saying? It's a simple concept. It's a very simple concept. And that's what Paul's presenting to these these believers. He's like, look, you guys always, you, you guys did such a good job of obeying when I was there. Of course, we always do really good when the boss is there, right? He's like, but I trust that even more, you're going to be even more so obedient when I'm not there, in my absence. And so he, he instructs them as believers, work out your own salvation. New Living Translation sa- says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results. If, if you believe in Jesus, you need to live like it. Your life should model that. It, people should look at you and they should notice that there's something unique about you. There's something different about you. You're not normal. And that's not, that's not, a, you know, that's not a slight against you. It's okay to not be normal. None of us are normal. Let's, let's be real, okay? Not a single one of us is normal. What is normal? Normal is boring, number one, okay? Normal is boring. But normal does not exist in this world, You're unique. You're different. If you're a Christian, you're even more unique. You're even more unique. 
Because you have Christ inside of you, you have a new heart, your mind is being renewed. The way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you speak, it's different. It's changing. It's not perfect. None of us are perfect. You're not going to be perfect, okay? We talk about this all the time. We'll remove that from the table as well. You're not going to be perfect. You're never going to get it right 100%. You will sin because I'm sorry to tell you, you're a sinner. If nobody's told you that, let me be the first to tell you, know you are a sinner. You're a sinner. But let it be said of you that you're a sinner saved by the grace of God, okay? You're, you're going to sin. We're going to sin. We own it. We own it. We repent of it. And we move on. That's what we do. We don't pretend like we got it all together. The, our world right now, currently, is, is, is dying for heaven. They don't know how to phrase it. They don't know how to say that. They don't even know that that's what they're, that's, that's what they're longing for. They want heaven. And here we are as believers. Ticket's been punched. We're, we're on our way. We're heaven bound. That's our home. That's our home. So they need to see that in us. They need to see that in you. If you're a Christ follower, just like that photo, you know, those old Polaroids, right? You remember, you remember those? They're, well, they're retro now, so they're back in style. That's how it works, okay? Um, everything comes back. It's cyclical. You know, it's those bell bottoms you used to rock back in the 70s. Don't worry. They'll be back, okay? They were back when I was in school. That's how, you know, but now it's 20 years later since I've been in school, and I know they're going to be coming back, right? All that stuff, it just comes back. Polaroids. They're back. Well, at least they were. But you take that, you capture that image by light onto this Polaroid film, and then what do you got to do? You got to shake that thing, right? You got to work that image out. You, if you want to see it, and Polaroids never really look that great, however, you got to like, you got to work on it. You got to shake that thing out so it, it develops. So it develops. Same as with your faith. Your faith in Jesus. Paul tells the church of Philippi, work out your salvation, but it's not all on you either. That's the beauty of verse 13. You need to be living a life that represents or that communicates to other people. You're a walking billboard, basically, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And just in case you want to like disqualify yourself or like, I can't do it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, no, you can't. Okay. But you need to be trying. Okay, so don't, don't just say like, well, it's too hard, so I'm not going to try. That's garbage, okay? That doesn't fly because you have verse 13 that says, for it is God who works in you both to do for his good pleasure. Or New Living Translation says, for it is God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's not on you. You just got to be what? Obedient. Context-wise, in chapter 2, Jesus is, he's the standard. He's the standard. If you're going to be like anybody in this life, anybody in this world, you got heroes, Jesus needs to be number one. He needs to be the one that you want to emulate your life after, right? All the heroes that we've had, for me, you know, it's, it's Rocky, it's Rambo, it's kind of Sylvester Stallone, but not really, but, you know, the characters he portrayed, or it was top, you know, Top Gun, Tom Cruise, right, Maverick, right? Those are the cool guys, and those are the guys that, man, when I get older, I want to be like those guys. Uh, didn't, really, didn't really pan out for me, okay? Uh, I'm not flying jets, I'm not, you know, 
going into the jungles of this or that or whatever, and I'm not boxing with, you know, Russian dudes, right? So let's just, didn't work out. Praise God, it changed for me at 19, where my new hero became Jesus. He was the one, when I saw him, when I, and I had known about him, but I never knew him, and I never really, really knew him. When I heard, I remember distinctly, in my little efficiency up in the mountains of Colorado, and I was hit, like he showed up in my room, okay? Basically, I mean, he was like there. And when it came clear to me, like, you die for me? You actually like died for me. You're my hero. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. I'm in, I'm in. You're the one I look up to. You're my hero. From here on out, you're my hero. I wanna be like you. For me, that, as a 19-year-old kid, that, I mean, that was it. Because he is the ultimate hero. He's the standard. He's the example. And Philippians chapter 2, the, early, the first part, verses 1 through 11, communicated to us that he was willing to be a servant. He is God. He came down to this earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life for you and I so he could be the perfect sacrifice. He endured all the hostility. He endured everything for us. He set the example. And it says he was obedient, and he was even obedient to death, and not just to death, but to death on a cross. Obedience was what was a difference maker, so to speak, within, within his life. If he's the standard, if he's the example, you and I must be obedient as well. You have, we have to be obedient to God. And here's the thing. God is working in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure, so he says, work out your faith with fear and trembling. That's reverence and respect for who God is. We ought to have respect for who God is, okay? You should have absolute reverence, this, this fear, this healthy fear is what it technically is, of who God is. Because if we're honest, if he doesn't want you here right now, he could squish you. You're done. If he wants to. He doesn't always do that, right? And praise God for that. No, what, what he wants is for us to be in a relationship with him. And what he wants is for us to be surrendered to him totally and allow him to be at work 100% fully surrendered to him so that he can work within us. And so then we begin to live that out. You're taking in and you're, you're giving out, right? It's a natural thing. Any country that only has imports... Is going to go bankrupt. If you have no exports, you are going to go bankrupt. Try that in your business. Only take in, take in, take in. If you're just buying products and receiving products but never selling anything, you're not going to make it. You need to go to business school, okay? If that's your philosophy, you got to go back to school because you have to have out. You have to have an outflow. We see it in nature. It's a, it's a law of nature. For bodies of water, they have to have an inlet and an outlet. Because if they don't have the outlet, it's just stagnant water. It's stagnant water. And it has to have movement. And I say this with my kids all the time, usually because they're standing in my way. Hey, movement is life. Movement is life, right? Like, I'm like, get out of the way. Movement is life, okay? Movement is absolute life. And it's the same with our relationship with Jesus. We're taking in so that we can pour out. You're taking in so that you can work it out. You got to work it out. That's what Paul's saying here. 
Do all things without complaining and disputing. Oh, another way to say that. Do all things or do everything without complaining and arguing. <gasps> what? You can't be serious. Oh, I am. Oh, that's going to change a lot of Facebook posts, isn't it? No more arguing. No more arguing. You're not winning. You're not winning in the big, in the, in the, in the big grand scheme of anything. Now, defending your faith, separate category, okay? What Paul is talking about here is as we're living our lives and Christ is our example, when did he ever complain? When, we, when was he ever argumentative? The ones who were, if you're, if you're taking this into the context of the entirety of the scriptures, which we believe is one complete story from beginning to end, the children of Israel were really good at this. A lot of complaining and a whole lot of arguing. Just ask Moses, right? Ask Moses and Aaron. When you get to heaven and you see those guys, be like, hey, what was it like to lead all those people through a wilderness, which should have only taken you a few days, but you got to spend 40 years in the wilderness with these guys. What was it like? And they're like, oy vey, right? Like, oh, the arguing, the complaining. Yeah, this, this shouldn't be a, a fruit that we produce within our lives. Complaining. What does complaining get us? Nothing. Well, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. No, no, no. For the believer, no complaining. And again, within the context here, Paul is talking about, look, as we're following Jesus and we're modeling, modeling our life after him, and they lived in a very turbulent time. It's not like they had it easy. I mean, they lived under a government that was absolutely controlling. You think we have it. We don't have it bad. We do not have it bad. I don't even, I don't know what's coming next for America. Nobody knows. Nobody does. I can tell you this, they had it worse than we did. They had an emperor who was going around saying, look, you either tell, you either testify that I am Lord or I'll kill you. That was their reality. And Paul has the audacity through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say, hey, don't complain. Wait, 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 but Paul, our rights, yeah, I know, I get it, I get it, but live a life without complaining. Can you do that? Can you still stand for your freedoms and your rights without complaining? Absolutely, absolutely. Can you still witness concerning the gospel to other people who may be hostile towards Christ and the church without arguing? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I don't know every situation, but I would venture out to say, I don't think many people are won over to the Lord through arguments. I just don't know if that happens. And what I'm talking about is combative arguments in the sense of like proving I'm right. I'm going to prove I'm right to you. I'm going to, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, we'll get combative and we'll, you know, all this stuff. It, it's one thing to debate if it's a healthy thing. That's that's fantastic. That's a beautiful thing. That's such a cool thing. When people can have a healthy debate and all that, that's awesome. I can't do that. But that's cool that other individuals are highly gifted with that. That's one thing. You, you can have a back and forth. Sweet. That's cool. But if we're honest, we know that that's not how it always goes. It's not how it always goes. And especially within our day and age of social media, it's a whole lot easier to just throw out arguments, 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 arguments. And whether it's from coming from this direction or that direction... 
I think if Paul was here right now, he'd be like, look, live a humble life. Live a humble life, obedient to God. Live out this relationship that you have with Jesus. He's even going to say it here. And he, he identifies, he recognizes, like, it's not hard. It, I mean, it's not an easy time in which you live. I get it. It's dark. Absolutely. But in the darkest of times, the light should shine the brightest. And it doesn't illuminate from our mouths. It illuminates from our actions. Don't grumble and complain. Don't, you know, don't, don't keep doing that. Number one, it's not even healthy for you. Scientifically, it's not healthy. Somebody who goes around complaining all the time, it's not good for your, it's not good for your, your body. It's not. You're on the same level as somebody who's walking around who's stressed out all the time. You are taking years off of your life. So don't complain. What, what, what would be the opposite? Be thankful. In fact, Paul's going to have something to say about that in chapter 4. He's actually going to have a lot to say about that, of how our mindset should be working, and we should be thankful. We should be rejoicing. Christians should be the happiest, most joyful people on this planet. So how are we doing? Walking around with sour looks on our faces. Not that any of you guys are, but imagine you were in the world once. You know what that's like. You look at somebody who's like, I'm a Christian. I'm like, well, what, well, what happened? Like, why aren't you happy? Where, where's the joy of the Lord? Well, you don't understand what's going on in our world. I know I do. But I know that Jesus, is, he's seated on the throne. Now, I don't think we should walk around, you know, all happy, slappy, and, you know, kind of ignorant in that sense. But I can walk around with a song in my heart. And so can you. We should be joyful. We should be demonstrating the fact that, man, God is at work inside of me, and I want to get that out however I can. That means less complaining. That means less disputing. That means, as Paul would say in the book of Romans, to, if at all possible, live at, live at peace with all men. Live at peace with all people. Is it always possible? No, it's not. It's not. But for the church, specifically, the church should not be a house of complaining. It should be a house of praise. It should be a place of praise. It should be a place of, of thanksgiving. And if this is something you struggle with, because I, I don't want to make light of this, because I complain a lot, because complaining is the easiest thing to do. And guess what? When you start complaining, then other people will start joining in on that complaining, and then you have a whole pity party, and everybody, and it's just not good. So what do we do? Make a list of what you're thankful for. Good place to write that is right in your Bible. God, today I am thankful for these things. And every day, every day, and I'm telling you right now, write it out. Don't just verbalize it internally within your brain, okay? I'm saying speak it out. Rhema, the spoken word of God. Lord, today I am thankful. I don't know how I did it, but I rolled out of bed today and praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus, for that, right? We all have something to be thankful for. Write a list. It's therapeutic. It's healthy. It'll be good for your mind. It'll be good for your heart. It'll be good for people who are around you all the time. 
Just write a list. I'm so thankful for this. I'm so thankful for this. Thank you, Jesus, for this. You have to, you have to turn that mindset around. Paul said, you know, the, the renewing of your mind, that's the goal. And that's a continual daily thing, the transforming of your mind. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Philippians, a New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. This letter was meant to encourage the church in Philippi. Paul expressed great appreciation for this group of believers, and he made sure to mention that they were very generous in supporting his ministry. This is how we feel here at Bread for the Broken, too. We're so grateful for your listening support, as well as any financial support you feel led to give. We ask that you pray for this ministry and also pray about supporting us in ways that are necessary to keep these teachings airing to people near and far. If you're interested in being a part of this support, go to breadforthebroken.com and click on the About tab. You'll find a link there to donate. Thank you for your prayerful consideration of giving to us here. If you missed any of this teaching or would like to hear more from Pastor James in the book of Philippians, visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Look under the Listen tab. We'd also love to meet you too, so if you're in the area, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday for worship and Bible study. Find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for joining us today as a part of our listening audience. Through this ministry, the gospel is going forth and lives are being changed. Tune in next time for more from the Book of Philippians, right here on Bread for the Broken.